0: You're about to hear is the fusion of entertainment and enlightenment. This is
1: the Glenn Beck program. Hey, did you know that when Janet Yellen was over, uh she ate magic mushrooms? I guess she ordered four plates of them. Uh she said, however, oh, it really didn't have I I didn't have any any hallucinations. Uh and inflation is doing fine. If this isn't is isn't a hallucination, I don't know what is. Listen, cut five, Janet Yellen.
2: 75% of Americans believe the economy is in poor condition, and maybe that's because, again, even though inflation rates have come down, they are still paying more. Uh, 63% of people in this poll disapprove of how President Biden is handling the economy. What do you say, Secretary Yellen, to the clear majority of Americans who simply do not believe colors. that the administration is helping them? Man. Well, you know, Americans
0: know best, I think, about their own personal finances. And it is important to recognize that when they're asked how are they personally doing, over 70% mm-hmm. of Americans um, say that they're very comfortable with their financial ah. situation. Yeah. So they seem to perceive the economy okay. yeah. uh, as a whole as doing less well than they are personally, but most Americans feel good about their own economic situation.
1: Now my question is, how many plates full of mushrooms do you have to eat to get to that conclusion? Out of the tragedy of 9-11, the Tunnel to Towers Foundation rose like a phoenix from the ashes, and it has been delivering on its promise to do good and never forget the sacrifices of America's greatest heroes. These are the people who put their lives on the line to protect our country and our communities. I want to tell you about Sergeant Dustin DeMonte. He's from Bristol. He was uh, from Bristol, Connecticut. He was fatally shot in a domestic violence incident and he left behind two children and a wife who is pregnant with their third child. The, I knew about this story. What I didn't know is Dustin DeMonte is a relative of my wife, and she found out about his death on Facebook and the fact that because of your generosity, Tunnel to Towers paid the mortgage on their family home. She said, honey, did you did you see, first of all, Dustin died, and, and second of all, Tunnel to Towers just took care of his house, and it was almost immediately, and the family was so grateful. Can you help? Tunnel to Towers, they have a mission to do good in their honor. 95 cents of every dollar donated goes to these programs to help our fallen heroes. Donate $11 a month now at Tunnel to Towers at T2T.org. That's T, the number 2 T.org. Carol Roth, a recovering investment banker and the author of the new book, You Will Own Nothing. Hello, Carol. How are
2: you? I'm doing well, Glenn. And I have to say, I loved that uh, cut of Janet Yellen. You know, this is a woman who seems like she's been hallucinating for decades now. Oh. So perhaps when she ate those magic mushrooms, it was an antidote and she had an actual moment of lucidity. Because remember, inflation is transitory, there's yeah. going to be no inflation. Yeah. All of that good stuff came from her. She was also the same person who wanted to um, go and peek into our bank accounts mm-hmm. for every $600 transactions. You know, to go after the billionaire. Because all of sure. those billionaires with $600 transactions on Etsy, um, yeah, this, is, this is the Yellen way. <laughs> yeah,
1: I know. She's really good. By the way, if you are an American official and you're going over to China, I would think it's important that someone is either with you from our side or their side and would say, uh, by the way, these are hallucinogenic mushrooms. I mean, how do we let our secretary of the Treasury having business meetings eat hallucinogenic mushrooms?
2: it's it really is incredible <laughs> um, yeah you would think right. that they would have somebody who's checking the kitchens ordering yeah. the food you know putting protocols in place anywhere even if you were domestic uh, let alone in a, a foreign country let alone in China yeah. so it just goes to show what a bang up job this administration is doing once again
1: okay so there was somebody let me see if i can find this there was uh, somebody that came in yesterday Um, (laughs) Economist Klaus Schwab, I didn't realize that, founder of the World (laughs) Economic Forum, uh, said that the biggest threat to economic stability is the imbalances of the world and laughed at the idea of a common uh, currency for the BRICS countries.
2: Yeah, I mean, listen, Klaus Schwab is uh, has been peddling communism under a different brand for more than 50 years now. He is the uh, the the generator of the idea of stakeholders that you know he gets to shape. What without having any sort of risk in the game vis-a-vis versus a a shareholder who obviously takes some risk. I do think that he has biases towards certain parts of the world and perhaps the uh, the BRICS aren't included in that for whatever reason. Um, But you
1: you also have Jim O'Neill, former Goldman Sachs economist, saying the same thing. This is ridiculous. It's not going to happen. It's just not going to happen. The BRICS currency taking on the dollar. How can you say that?
2: So, I mean, there are so many different projects that are going on that, you know, perhaps it's not the BRICS currency, but one thing that has been underreported is that the Bank for International Settlements, you may hear of it as BIS, which is the central bank's bank, has been doing all kinds of interesting CBDC projects with different groups. And there is one that is for China, Hong Kong, Thailand, and uh, I believe it's the UAE that's actually made a ton of progress. And we've spent a lot of time, Glenn, you and I, talking about you know the, the reserve currency situation and how the dollar is going down as a, a percentage of reserve holdings. But the other reason why the U.S. dollar is so sticky is that it's used in so much of, of payments. I've seen numbers anywhere from 80 to 88% of all uh, foreign transactions from country to country. The U.S. dollar is on one side of, or the other. So they are trying to attack not just this reserve currency, but the payments. That's what this BRICS currency is about, but it's also what these projects at places like the the Bank for International Settlements are about is chipping away the U.S. dollar's dominance. And if countries can trade amongst themselves going around the dollar, then that has you know, not only the economic implications here at home, but it also has geopolitical implications because that means they can get around things like sanctions and regulations and taxes. And for people to poo-poo that that's going to happen is insane because we're already seeing that. We're already seeing China make deals Um, with other countries for energy and trying to settle that in the yuan that has some physical settlement in gold. China and many other central banks have been loading up on gold in in their reserves, probably as a not one-to-one backing, but some level of backing for their currency. So the idea that these countries are not trying to chip away at the U.S.'s dominance doesn't mean the U.S. dollar is going away, but taking us out of that pull position And having the inability to leverage the dollar for the benefit of the government's expansion and financing for our benefit of, you know, cheap financing around the world um, and for, you know, these sort of geopolitical endeavors, I think, is absolutely naive.
1: So Michael Burry, you know who he is. (laughs) I do know who he is. (laughs) So he's a guy uh, who, you know, bet against the stock market in 2008. Uh, made more than uh, what 1.5 1.6 billion dollars. Um, he has just bet against the. US stock market uh, to, a, to a large uh, with a large sum over a trillion dollars. What, yeah, what's so, happening here?
2: <laughs> so, people who may know Michael Burry will know him from the book or the movie, The Big Short. And he was one of the key figures that snipped out what was going on with the mortgage crisis, made these big bets, and uh, and and won in that particular case. He's made a lot of predictions. Some of them, you know, just like anybody else in the stock market, some of them work, some of them don't. Um, and obviously, it, it's a a function of timing. He has done this with options, so that the trillion dollars that you're looking at is the notional value. That means if everything were to come to fruition, that could be you know potentially what it's worth. But there, that's not how much he put up. He put up a fraction of that because he's putting on options and betting against it. I think the concern but when you
1: do that and you lose, don't you have to cough up the money?
2: No. So when you buy an option, you're buying a contract for a fraction of its value. So it, it's sort of like placing a, a fractional bet. So if I think that the, the stock market is going to buy, to go up, I might buy a call option and it says, OK, well, in the future on this particular date, if it's gone up 20 percent, I get a huge windfall. But I only have to pay a tiny fraction of that to make that bet. So- and so many mo- most of these things expire and And you lose that small amount. But when you get it right, it's a big potential pay.
1: So um, according to the Securities and Exchange Commission, he filed on Monday, more than 93 percent of his entire portfolio is now betting against the stock market.
2: Yes, so basically there is this notion out there amongst the investors that the Fed is putting forth of what is called a soft landing and that is that they are the Fed is going to be able to control inflation without disrupting the economy. And some of the uh, issues that we've been talking about, uh, you know, whether it's the bank potential for a bank crisis um, or the stickiness of inflation creates a lot of concerns over whether that can actually be achieved and it may not be achieved in one of two ways. Either you, you don't get the inflation down and that co- causes a, a series of problems or you do get the inflation down and uh, you do that by disrupting the economy. So based the, on the things that he's seeing, and, and certainly I haven't had the chance to speak with him yet, but um, given his his interest in banks, it could be some of the headwinds in banks. We've seen a downgrade of some of the, of the banks. We've seen Fitch say that they may have to downgrade even the big banks. We've seen an FDIC report Report showing concern, We've seen an academic report showing concern over the banking sector, even though we're telling that that's correct. Um, you know, that may be the source of what he's concerned about, you know, not to mention the commercial real estate issues there, since that's a, an area that he's been focused on previously. But that's just speculation on my part, because I haven't heard why it is that specifically that he's betting against him. But there's plenty of choices to be made.
1: So let me let me. Take a break. And when we come back, I want to talk to you about the commercial real estate market, because there's an enormous amount of of money that in buildings that need to be refinanced. And some of these big companies are just turning the buildings over to the banks and saying, take it and walking away. That can't happen uh, very many times before. Things begin to collapse. And if you look at San Francisco and Los Angeles, they are ghost towns and somebody is responsible for all of that money in those buildings. So I want to talk to you about that. And also um, also Ford Ford seems to be hemorrhaging money. And how long can that go on before somebody says, "Okay, we're out of the electric vehicle business? Back in just a second. Ryan lives in, uh, in Alabama, and over the past few years, he's been suffering from pain so frequent and so debilitating that it has limited his mobility. Like a m- millions of Americans who suffer from p- pain, Brian was uh, beginning to despair. He had a number of different things. He had tried. None of them worked uh, or left him feeling less lucid than he cared to be. So... This past year, Brian stumbled across the solution. He heard me talking about Relief Factor and decided, I'm going to give it a try. He didn't have anything to lose except 1995. It turned out what he had to lose was about 90% of his pain in the first three weeks. Brian got his life back. Will you please just try this? It's not a drug. Hundreds of thousands of people have ordered Relief Factor. And about 70% of them go on to order more because they're like me or they're like Brian. Relieffactor.com. 800-4-RELIEF. 800, 800, the number 4, RELIEF. Get the 1995 three-week quick start. Relieffactor.com or call 800, the number 4, RELIEF. Relief Factor. Feel the difference. 10 seconds. Station ID. So I was talking to uh, a real estate guy, and he said, "In the future, um, when we have all EVs, all of these uh, parking garages are not built to hold that much weight. The if you swap cars out for EVs, those things are just going to collapse." Uh, and he said, "There, and we're not sure if cars are really going to be around. So some of us are looking at parking structures and." Can we build them in such a way where we can make apartments out of them eventually? And it's like, this is crazy, just crazy. And I know some some cities are looking to convert these giant work towers into apartments and condominiums, but there's no place for people to go and to shop and to work in some of these cities. How much commercial real estate is coming up for renewal and... What do you suppose is going to happen?
2: Yes, it just so happens that I have uh, written on this previously. So there was a report from Morgan Stanley from their chief investment officer, and they said that basically about half of mortgage debt in commercial real estate is coming up for financing in the next two years. But the part of commercial real estate that really is um, having the biggest issues is the office space, right? Because they're dealing with the work from home situation and the fact that these cities have been decimated by crime and nobody wants to. go into the office. So it basically, they said almost a quarter of the mortgages on office buildings have to be refinanced by the end of this year. And one of the this huge year. issues, this year, 2023. <laughs> so this is an ongoing issue, and so they're they're facing that that double whammy that now the interest rates are higher and their occupancy rates are lower because people aren't going back to work, which is why you're seeing um, in some cases the people just giving up and giving the the keys back to the bank the issue, you know, as it relates to the banking sector, as we were just talking about, is that in some cases, it's some of these smaller regional banks that have a lot of exposure to commercial real estate. So Mm. that is a big potential issue in terms of stability. Now, we've seen the Federal Reserve step up and backstop all kinds of, you know, crazy things on balance sheets before. And certainly um, in the the short term, we've seen them backstop the long-dated Treasury securities. So whether They're going to have to come in and do something for commercial real estate. Um, You know, I think that's a a big possibility. And it seems like so far they've been willing to do that because if they don't do that, then it is utter chaos in the banking sector. And then all bets are off, which is, you know, tying it back to what we were talking about with Michael Burry, given the fact that he has been so focused on the banking sector. I do just wonder if, you know, that is the area that he's most laser focused on
1: here. So, I mean how much can a bank take on? I just look at San Francisco. <laughs> San Francisco is a ghost town. It is. Right. It's unlike anything. I, every time I see it, you remember the movie with Charlton Heston called the Omega man or, uh, the will, the Will Smith movie. Uh, what was it? Yeah. I am legend,
2: oh, where, I he's, am legend yeah.
1: where he's alone in New York. It's like that. In San Francisco, it's crazy.
2: It is. I don't know if you know that I started my career in San Francisco. I actually worked in the Transamerica Pyramid Building. That's wow. where I started my career. And my husband's from the Bay Area. And to see what has happened to that, that city is a, an utter travesty. In fact, one of its long-term retailers, um, this fabulous, high-end, beautiful retailer called Gump's, that's an independent uh, boutique store, put this letter, this open letter to the, the mayor and to Gavin Newsom, basically begging and pleading for them to just do their jobs. Yes. Saying that, you know, this is untenable and saying that, you know, they've been around for over a hundred years that this may be their last year in business because they just can't do it from a safety perspective, um, you know, and, and from you know all the issues, the crime and and everything else that's going on in that city. So, so it, it's a, it's a huge issue,
1: right? So just that one city, if they don't turn that one city around that could take banks down could it not several i, I,
2: I mean i think it would certainly create uh, a lot of potential issues and you have to realize as you said it's just that one city but it's not just that one city and you see what's happening in my <laughs> one of my other places of residence chicago uh and and particularly on michigan avenue which was the shopping mecca and all of the uh the retailers that have is that flown back there What's that? No, that people have just absolutely hightailed it out of there because they can't deal with the the crime situation um, and all of the looting and the fact wow. that people haven't you know, been coming back to the city um, in the same way. So yeah, these are substantial issues. So you have that from a you know a retail perspective, and then you have the office building perspective, and all of these things feed on each other because if you don't have people coming into the offices, then you don't have the foot traffic Correct. for say the other small businesses. So it really becomes this big chain, and yes, there are a lot of of banks and financial institutions that are financing this. And you know, some of the big banks may be able to absorb it, uh, but from a smaller or regional bank perspective, that has you know any level of meaningful exposure to this industry, it is a huge issue, and that's why those red flags are being raised.
1: Okay, back in just a second. I want to talk about your finances you know what is it what does all of this mean to you and are we living in an age like happened in the great depression where household names are just gone how long can ford lose billions of dollars year after year after year and still stay in business and they're losing it because of the ev back in a minute The Glenn Beck Program. If you don't believe me when I say everything the Fed's been up to is leading us down the primrose path towards a digital dollar, something that will allow the government to do whatever they feel like to the value of your money, including canceling it. Then at the very least, you should get on Goldline's email list and check out the articles they have on this subject. Uh, Uncle Glenn is not the one that is uh, crazy. Securing your financial future and your in your future of your family is not a joke. Please do your homework in these uncertain times. Having something tangible always feels like a lifeline. Goldline, as always, has an offer that is hard to pass up as a lifeline. For every 50 of the 2-ounce Silver Maple Flex Bars that you purchase right now, they will gift you 100 of the 1-gram Silver Mind Your Business Bars for free. It doesn't apply to IRA orders, but everything else, it's good. Time and again, Goldline has been a beacon for those who seek stability. 866-GOLDLINE. Call them now. 866-GOLDLINE. It's blazetv.com slash
0: Glen. Use the promo code Glen and save ten bucks off your subscription to Blaze TV.
1: Is the Glenn Beck program. We're with Carol Roth. Her new book is out. It is called You Will Own Nothing. Makes a great companion book to Dark Future, which is both of them are on sale wherever you buy your books. A lot of people buy them uh, together. They're good companion books. Um, I wanted to talk to you, Carol, about the idea that we're living in a time period where we could see brand names that we all grew up with. Just gone uh, like Ford. Is how long can Ford make EVs, lose the kind of money that they are, uh, and still maintain Ford?
2: So this is an incredible history rhyming situation if you follow me for a second. So as we know, Ford lost more than $2 billion last year. The first half of this year was about $1.8 billion. And basically, that is because of their EVs. They have this high cost of EVs. They cannot compete um, you know, for the components. They're getting a lot of the materials from China. It's costing more than they had expected. And on top of that, people aren't really that interested in paying that much for electric vehicles. So the rest of their business is subsidizing the EV business to a point, but obviously they are losing money, um, not to mention the fact that China has these tiny little EVs, some of which you know, start just over 10,000 U.S. Mm. dollars that have been penetrating not only China, but Europe. Here's the rhyme for me, Glenn. Go back to 1979. What happened in 1979 is the U.S. under Jimmy Carter, which, you know, we're, we're feeling very much like this is a repeat of the Jimmy Carter administration. They gave China most favored nation status and that started to accelerate this export of capitalism uh, you know, to China. Eventually, by the Clinton administration, we got to permanent, normalized trade relations and then walk them into the World Trade Organization. We lifted up almost a billion people out of poverty in China, but that exporting of capitalism decimated our manufacturing, uh, decimated our wages here in the U.S., and basically gave China this huge advantage on the international stage. The Green Movement is doing the same thing again. China has an advantage from a manufacturing standpoint, they have an advantage from a wage standpoint, we are moving away from traditional energy. So they have an advantage from that standpoint, they have the rare earth minerals and, and, and whatnot that they can mine. So we are basically giving them the opportunity to put our companies here, our, our flagship companies, companies like Ford out of business by pushing this insane green agenda. And I am just watching this and going, this is exactly what happened. People were greedy. The leaders thought that they could just take advantage of the situation and, and it would really work out. And it decimated so many people to for, at the expense of just a handful of people. And the absolute same thing is happening again.
1: So Ford sells trucks. They're known for their trucks. (laughs) And to get a truck, a new Ford truck, you'll wait months for it. Uh, Again, how long can Ford abuse its brand, abuse its buyers, uh, not be able to produce In mass what they are known for what the people want from them and hemorrhage this kind of money. How long can a company like that last.
2: Well, it depends on the powers that be that uh, you know, did the auto bailouts and now are pushing the green agenda. It depends if they want to come to the rescue. Are they going to give them special subsidies? Are they going to give them special tax breaks? Are they going to funnel some kind of money their way in order to make this you know insane dream that really can't happen at scale in reality um, try to come to fruition? So without that, I would think that it would be a, a much shorter trajectory. Although we've we've seen companies you know hang on um, longer than expected, but with the aid of the people who want this to be a reality, you know this can go on for a very long time. But eventually, what will happen is you will get some administration that will allow Chinese vehicles to come into this market, and they will have to make some modifications, so they will be slightly more expensive than the, the you know the ten thousand or fifteen thousand dollars we see, but they will still be less expensive than Ford or, you know, GM or any any of the other major uh, car companies here in the United States. And for anybody who wants an electric vehicle uh, or is forced into one, you know, they're going to probably go in many cases with the low cost provider. And uh, yeah, eventually these companies will be put out of business and China will be the one who ends up winning because of our own stupidity and policy.
1: Why can they make those cars so much cheaper than us? I mean it's well, think about it. it's forty thousand dollars cheaper. That's a lot of money.
2: So they have access to the raw materials, right? It's their raw materials. So we can't get them at a markup. From a manufacturing standpoint, they have a, a wage advantage. We know that we have a very high cost of labor here in the United States vis-a-vis you know, most places, but particularly vis-a-vis China. And as we uh, continue to transition uh, away from other energy, you know, traditional fossil fuels that are required um, to, you know, as part of the manufacturing process, that's going to be part of the issues as well. So all of those costs end up adding up. um, And, you know, you can put some tariffs on, you can put some duties, but China has a a massive advantage. And, you know, we keep talking about bringing manufacturing back here to America. We're not going to be able to compete on wages. Nobody's going to want to get the the wages down. Certainly the unions don't want to stand down. So that means in order for us to be competitive at all we need to be all in on traditional energy sources Mm -hmm. and what's happening we have this huge move in the opposite direction this is basic common sense this is basic math and you know these these ideas that they have are just again rainbows and, and unicorns that don't exist in reality
1: so do you ever do you ever think carol my wife came home the other day and she was at a she had a stop for gas and it was at night and she stopped in a, you know, not the best neighborhood. And she said, honey, I was, I was terrified to get out of the car. She said, I don't, I don't think I want my car anymore. She has a nice car. She said, I just want to beat her. She said, because I, I don't want to be a target at a gas station. And she's right. And there are things are changing on the ground. Uh, Harvard is now telling their grad students to apply for food stamps. Food stamps. Harvard is saying that. At what point does the American do the American people? Do you, do you ever think about this where they go, you know, those rich sons of, and they just go get them? I mean, that is uh, that is a huge fear of mine.
2: I think I think about this constantly. I think about it constantly. I mean, Harvard. I, I'm the one that coined the phrase that uh, Harvard is a hedge fund <laughs> with the university attached to it. It is you know, the fact that they have a $53 billion endowment that's going out and doing things like buying up land and water rights, and that they're encouraging their grad students who are doing, you know, a bulk of the teaching, and that they, you know, severely underpay to go on the the government dole is absolutely disgusting. Just like it was disgusting that they we were going to take um, some of the the CARES Act dollars until some of us raised our voices about that and and forced them to to change that around. But I think about this all the time. I mean, this is the issue. When you look at the quote unquote overall economy, it looks stable because there's a small group of people who have done incredibly well on the back of monetary Correct. and fiscal policy. But the average person, Main Street America, is suffering, and they are not being able to participate in the American dream. They have Wall Street coming in and trying to compete with them for a home. They cannot buy their food. This is not how we allow America to move forward. And if we don't stop this, if we don't allow the American dream to exist for everyone, there will be civil unrest because it just cannot be sustained. There's absolutely no reason why Harvard should not be providing food for their grad students when they have a $53 billion endowment. And you know, it, it seems almost like it's deliberate because I don't know how these big entities, these, these incredibly wealthy entities are not seeing the writing on the wall. If you go back to Henry Ford, it was, yes, I want to make a bunch of money making cars, but I want to make sure that everyone who works in my factory can get paid and afford to buy one and we have gotten away from that principle and we have to preserve the american dream for the middle class.
1: Carol, thank you so much as always. Good to talk to you. Uh Carol Roth, uh, she has written the uh new book You Will Own Nothing. It's a companion uh book to my book Dark Future. Find out how you can fight what's uh, happening right now with Dark Future and You Will Own Nothing. All right, it's disaster time, right? Yesterday, I told you I would be busy eating stew. It pained me to do it, but rules are rules. And he looked very marbled. So I sign his paycheck. I believe if the world breaks down, I can eat him because I've bought him over and over and over again. He sold out years ago. But now here I am out of food again. I mean, vegetarians don't last long. Gee, if I only had a bunch of backup emergency food that had long shelf life and tasted great, I wouldn't have to eat Sarah today. See how fast this is going? Yeah, yeah, pretty soon I'm going to be the only one doing the show. I'm going to have to hire new people, fat people. Anyway, my Patriot Supply is offering a huge discount on their best-selling three-month emergency food kit. For a limited time, you'll save 25% per kit that you order. That's the biggest discount they offer, but it doesn't come along around every day and it's not going to last long. So do yourself a favor, save a ton of money while you're doing it. The kits include breakfast, lunch, dinner and snacks and drinks and everything. 2000 calories every day. Get at least one kit per person for your family. Go to mypatriotsupply.com. Get your 25% discount now before it offer the offer expires and before I have to eat Sarah well, you won't get it fast enough to stop me from eating, Sarah. But you could have it by Monday, I'm pretty sure. Actually, Friday. My pa- Depends on where you live. Sarah, sorry. MyPatriotSupply.com. I'm just hungry now. MyPatriotSupply.com.
0: Join the conversation. 888-727-BECK. The Glenn Beck Program.
1: About this time uh it's about this time uh every day that we we look at our lives and we look at the news and uh Stu tries to talk me into drinking uh again.
0: Yeah. I mean I it would be huge for the show. It would really benefit the show. Right. A I, lot of people would tune in to see what happens. So I don't think a good friend does this to an alcoholic. Uh no, I don't think they would either. If you uh if you find somebody in that particular circumstance, you let me know. All right. Uh, I bye. Thought but, I, I, no, I'm not going to be your friend, especially after what you've done today. What have I done today? You have not told America about the big story of the day. Oh, if I missed the big yes, story again? You're lying to them. I mean, lying right. by omission,
1: but you're right. lying okay. to what, what is? Why won't you discuss what's really going on? <sighs> well, I did discuss the transgender American who joined the... I can't be real. Ukraine. It is real that joined the Ukrainian army and is now the spokesperson... <sighs> for ukraine to the united states okay i'll admit that is
0: absolutely the biggest story yeah, of the okay. day but the second biggest story of the day it is who is qualified for the debate which is one week away we have some people who have qualified and by the way not everyone you're thinking we've got tim scott he's in 100 percent ramaswamy in haley in desantis in now trump People are saying he's in. Technically, he's supposed to sign the loyalty pledge, which he has not done and says he will not do. He's not going to. Right. I don't think he is either. Now, we all expect him to not show up at this point. Uh, Although, who knows? Uh, There was some speculation, by the way, is he would wait until right before the debate to turn himself in for this indictment. So it would totally overshadow the debate. Oh, wow. That totally seems like something he would do.
1: But Um, uh, let me ask you something. If you were him, And all you had to do is sign a loyalty pledge that I'm not going to go against the Republicans. What does he care? Yeah, what do you care? I mean, oh, he's a liar. Really? Along with a Russian spy. Right. What are you going to do? You know, and Bezler, you know, peeing on hookers. I mean, really?
0: Now, two other people have qualified for this debate, but have not signed the loyalty pledge. And I don't know. Will they? Chris Christie? Is he going to sign a loyalty pledge that says he's going to vote for Donald Trump? Is there a hot dog involved? Well, then, of course, he would have signed it. Yeah, right? I mean, yeah. Uh, so, it's kind of question a, is that uh, Mike a, Pence is another. where like, would he sign it for? I mean, he's saying you know he shouldn't have should, not should, for a hot dog. So, nah. Hot dog and a Bible, maybe. But maybe. that's that's one, two, three, four, five, six, seven that are in. That's not that in, bad. In theory. It's not. A, it's not a big as big as big a field as we might have hoped or thought it was going to be. It never it didn't grow into that twenty two, twenty three. Yeah, I didn't hope for that. Did no, I didn't hope either. for that. No, yeah, no, no. no yeah. I'm saying the opposite. Yeah. Um, however. You have totally ignored and denied the knowledge to your audience for weeks now that Doug Burgum is in this debate. Wow, Doug Burgum. Doug. Freaking Bergum! Doug Bergum. Bergamentum is here. Yeah. Bergamania has arrived. Bergum is from what state again? Not that oh, I don't, don't remember act myself. Like you don't know? I, no, it's I know. So uh, pathetic. I know. That you play these games. It's, uh, uh, North Dakota. North Dakota. Governor of North Dakota. Yeah. Doug Bergum. Doug Bergum has hit the donors, which he was paying twenty dollars for each one dollar donation. I.
1: Uh, I he <laughs> has met the polling and he's mm-hmm. signed the loyalty pledge. He is in. Yeah. Now I've read something mm-hmm. about Doug Bergum. Uh, and it was pretty scandalous. It was like he was for, I don't know, Karl Marx. He had him over for dinner. It was something. <laughs> no, it was, really? no, it wasn't that, but it was something like that. But I care so little about Doug Burgum. Yeah. I don't remember what it was. Well, you're going to care but we in should, one week from tonight. Know, we should look him up because I I don't think he's actually on our side. I don't think he's I, actually. It, it's side. funny. It's he's one of those guys I really have not looked into all that much. No, I have to and admit. I think you should because there was something like I don't know, making maybe making out with Lenin's wife. I, I don't know what it was. I but, don't. That doesn't seem likely uh, from just well, timeline. I just remember it not seeming likely that the guy was a Republican either. Ah, so ah. we should look into him. Can well, we get a Bergam update tomorrow? A Bergam update? Yeah. A Bergam Bergamentum update? Yes. A bergamentum Burgamania. Abs- yes. Please stop saying it because it makes me think of burgers. Which I really, really want, but I don't have any food, so I'm gonna have to eat Sarah in a nice, delicious bun. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, that sounds sad. That yeah. sounds sad for Sarah. For, for yeah, for, for all me, of it's us. good. Mm-hmm. <laughs> for me, it's pretty good. Mm-hmm. So, all right, Bergamentum tomorrow. You give us an update. We will. Because I swear to you, it w- maybe it was just that he was in a séance with Hitler. I-, I don't think so. <laughs>